Hey, 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 who fans? And welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 337. I hope you've all had a good, safe, cracking week. And that you've all managed to do something Doctor, Doctor Who related. Yeah, see, we're back on the swig of it now. Got it in that week. Yeah. This week, yeah, all good. <laughs> Amateur hour last week, obviously. <laughs> yeah, we were lo- we'd lost it. We lost the plot. Lost it, mate. Yeah. Welcome to another episode, another week of the Big Blue Box podcast. Hope you listened to last week, our first one back of 2022, where we gave you our thoughts on Eve of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. And thank you very much for all of you getting in touch to give us your thoughts and ratings, as always. Very useful. And you've all done that again this week for our review. We're back to Classic Who this week, dude. Yes, yes. Bit of Classic. Bit of Tom. A bit of Tom. You can't beat it. I was really looking forward to Classic Week as well, mate. Because uh, when you go through like a run of review and all the new stuff, you know, which is just great and has its ups and downs and is very cool and everything to talk about. There's nothing quite like sitting down with a cup of tea on the sofa and just hearing that classic theme, <laughs> you know, and the good old quarry to kick oh, off a classic quarry, story yeah. and the music yeah. and stuff. <sighs> there is something about the music, isn't there? I mean, I know exactly what you mean, that, that nostalgic feel. And it doesn't matter if it, the two that really do it for me is the Tom intro the tunnel effect and also i love the davison one because i that's kind of what i grew up with that yes you yeah. know that that yeah you know the the tube logo i just i'm <laughs> like oh it doesn't matter how many times i watch or listen to those intros i never get bored i never skip you know like on amazon and netflix and that always gives you the option to skip intro I'm like no why <laughs> would you why would you do that sacrilege sacrilege yeah. to go past the intro yeah i really like the one of pertwee's intros as well you know, with the tunnel of stars. Yes, that's one of my favourites. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome, that one as well. There's loads of them. Do you know what, though? I'm a bit controversial here, though, mate. Mm. I actually really like the McCoy intro. Oh, so do I. Oh, you do? Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love... I, I even like the logo. I know, that's very Marmite, that, uh, that intro, isn't it? That really divides opinion, I think. Whereas a lot of... Most people will say the tunnel effect is cool. and yeah. what, But the, the McCoy one tends to be a bit... That's a bit of a pub discussion. That is a pub talk, that intro, one, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. Yeah. I think the problem with the McCoy stuff, depending on how you view that sort of era of television, is that the logo is very much of its time. Yeah. And you yeah. could arguably say that about the earlier ones, but they seem to have dated a bit better. They've got a very much a rubber stamp seal of classic approval, <laughs> mm. whereas the McCoy one's very, oh, it just looks really 80s. And you're like, well, that's the point, you know, yeah. to a degree. But I get why it's Marmite, for sure. But I love the theme, though. Absolutely love the theme. Yeah, I love the yeah. theme, and I, I love the graphics as well. Like you said, they're so of their time. Um, but uh, the TARDIS in that bubble or planet, wherever it is, and the crumpled rocks going to war, I just love it. So I think it was a uh, very ambitious, I think, at the time, that intro. And I, yeah, I love it as well. Actually, dude, I'm just having a quick search now. Mm. Yeah, there was a guy on uh, a digital artist called David Burgess, and this was about four or five years ago. He recreated the McCoy era from scratch. Oh, right. Yeah, he did it in like this, um, uh, was it 4K or something? Really? I can't remember. Yeah, it's uh, it looked, uh, well, it's HD. It's like, you know, he's up, yeah. upscaled it and he's done it in, in HD, 1080p. But um, yeah, it's really good. I'll put a link to this in the show notes, actually. If you've not seen it before, mm. he literally creates the entire, or recreates the entire intro from McCoy. And it gives you a bit of spiel at the beginning. It says, you know, back in 
the eight is it was done over uh what did he say it cost um twenty thousand pounds and it cost them six weeks to render out and do the whole intro back in the eighties and then he goes on to say that in the space of twenty four hours <laughs> um I've recreated the whole thing it, oh it's really cool I'll stick a, a link to it but um Oh, sweet. I've yeah, seen it's that. very cool. Very, very yeah, cool. It's amazing how technology is, has moved on, isn't it? So so quickly and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So actually, in part, I'll go first for the um, for the what have we been up to segment. Mm. I've done very little. The only thing I've done, and the reason why I'll go first is because I've actually watched one of the Davison stories after oh. listening to some Big Finish. So like you, we, um, we jumped on to the uh some big finish over the last week and they're celebrating the 40th anniversary of the davison era and the first story to go out is the box set 40 aptly named which is cool Uh, so i've listened to the first story which is very 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 cool so um i think what i don't listen to as much big finish these days as i as i used to but i think one of the things that really drew me to this one was all the original cast yeah same being back yeah. together it's uh, and it doesn't disappoint so no spoilers for anybody if you haven't listened to it yet but i would urge you to um to jump on and grab this one from big finish it's um it's bar the the voice is sounding slightly different due to age which is unavoidable it really does feel like they've just all walked back on set and all the banter's there and all the and all the stuff so it's very cool and then after watching the first story i've got to listen to the second one this week but um yeah i'd uh, add the tv to myself last night so i put on some davison and i hadn't watched caves of androzani in years so oh wow yeah. i stuck that on dude which is always um always a, always a good one for me it's a it's a real classic in every sense of the word as well so is this death yeah, <laughs> yeah that is a good it's a, it's a good one isn't it yeah. i haven't watched any uh uh davison uh for a while actually but yeah i, I listened to the 40 set um i yeah because i'm really trying to because big finish have released so much and there there is a few i've got a bit of a backlog so i've been a bit picky and choosy uh mm-hmm. of late with what i've bought um but this one i listened to the trailer and i thought oh it sounds good and like you i i do like this tardis team and the fact that they've got them all back together and i was intrigued by in the trailer the doctor's uh surprised that adric's back and he's like back i've never been anywhere and i'm like oh what's going on so mm-hmm. i was intrigued by it and i and i wasn't disappointed so the first story secrets of telos um cyberman story i i really enjoyed that i, I just yeah just a great well you know you sometimes big finish just seem to hit hit the note right and i thought it was a really good story uh god of war uh which features the ice warriors was good but it's not as good uh it might just be because secrets of telos i thought was particularly good this one maybe just didn't uh follow it as well it was still a good story though uh, i still still enjoyed it uh so it's, overall it's a pretty decent decent set that but um great cover as well because mm. davison's got his hat on which he doesn't a bit like tom we think he wears it more than he does. You know, very often he'll come out of the TARDIS wearing it and then immediately roll it up and put it in his pocket. So it's really cool to see a picture of uh, the Fifth Doctor on the cover wearing his hat. It looks really mm. good, the cover of this one. But so, yeah, I haven't watched any Davison in a while. I might pop something on later. I'm trying to think now which one to... Because he has got some, he's got some great little stories, here, you know, in and amongst some not-so-good ones. But, mm. yeah, I don't know. I might put one on later. I'm going to go out on a limb. Hmm. And say that I think the the hat is photoshopped. Oh, is it? It might be. I think. Yeah. Not that that matters, because like you said, it's cool to see the fifth Doctor in his hat. That is cool. Mm. 
I think yeah, I don't it know. Might it might be. be Photoshop. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah. well, I can't really tell. But mm-hmm. uh, it looks it looks pretty decent. Uh, yeah. Just on just before we quickly move on to review, mate. Have you heard? Um, so there's a lot of talk at the minute that the animation, the funding for the animations, have been pulled by. Uh, is it BBC America to fund them? I think it's BBC Studios. BBC Studios or could is be it? America. Oh. Yeah, one of those, or it might be both. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but so apparently it's it's um it's all rumor, and I was thinking, well, you know, we shouldn't believe rumors and, until we hear rumors, it. But then, Rodney, rumors, <laughs> rumors, Rodney. But then uh, Rob Ritchie, who does, uh, who's involved in the animations, posted a tweet last night with all the steelbook uh, animations lined up and, and a candle, and I thought, oh no, that's, oh no, that kind of suggests that it might be true. Then um, it's not a good sign, is it? It's not a good sign, but uh, I don't know. We shouldn't lose heart, brave heart, Tegan, because I think even if it is true and it's sounding like it is, which would be a great shame, wouldn't it? Mm. Apparently, Abominable Snowman's going to be the last animation. I feel like they'll find someone else or another way to to fund them because the Big Finish do some of the animations, don't they? Mm-hmm. So they might step up to the plate or. Because I'm just thinking, we're assuming they're getting the animations done so they can release the complete box set. So it seems weird. I can't imagine the BBC would just turn around and say, oh, well, don't worry about it then. And, you know, don't forget the box sets because they, you know, they're all top sellers, aren't they? They're mm-hmm. always yeah, yeah. number one in the Amazon charts when they come out and stuff. So they, they clearly sell. But yeah, it's a bit, I don't know, a bit of a sort of bolt out the blue that I thought, what a shame because the animations have been getting better and better, actually, for the most part. Mm. And, uh, and I've uh... quite enjoyed the last couple that they've done. So is this like, like a, an indefinite sort of they're not doing it anymore or is this just a yeah well, for, for now uh well it's that's what i mean it, it's supposed to be indefinite it's oh. like no we're not funding anymore that that the abominable snowman will be the last to release but um as i said you know never say never i'm pretty sure only a few years yeah, back they were yeah. saying things like that i think the the invasion animation which was a few years ago now i think Pretty sure that was going to be the last one because they couldn't afford to do any more or something. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they'll find a way around it, even if it is true. But yeah, there's a, I don't know. It might be it might be a hold up then. It might be a delay on future animations, which is a shame. Because yeah, it feels like they're just starting to get rocking and rolling, doesn't it? It's like suddenly we've had sort of a few uh, animations come out quite in quite a short space of time. And uh, it felt like they were sort of really ramping them up. To, and we were saying, oh, they're doing that. They're getting them all out because they want to complete each season for the box set. So it seems like the brakes have suddenly been put on. But um, yeah, we'll yeah. see anyway. Yeah, that's a strange one, isn't it? It must be a budgetary. I'm no expert. I have no exposure to the behind the scenes on this stuff, but yeah. that sounds like it's a budget thing to me because not in terms of they're not making enough money because like you said, they always sell very well. Like every time a new one is released, all the socials get flooded with thousands of people that have, and they're just the people that are sharing it. You know, yeah. that have bought these and the BFI always sells out and they're very popular. So I can't imagine it's because they're not selling enough. So it must just be the Beeb doing their usual, you know, end of year, beginning of a new year. Let's cut this. Let's cut that. But could, could it be anything to do with um, Russell's studio taking over? Could it be a sort of transfer of rights? So we're not, you know, BBC are not doing it anymore. So he could that be a thing or not? Because I don't know how uh, these things work. Could Bad could Wolf be. Productions be? It could be, but I can't see that. So I, no. I imagine with anything live action, that would obviously have an impact on stuff. But yeah, uh, you know, with the animation stuff of the old classic who, I can't imagine why that would. Mm, I don't that, know. That would be a problem. Yeah, I don't know. 
I'm sure they'll find a way there. But yeah, it does seem a bit of a shame. Maybe it's because we're entering into a new era of Who this year, albeit towards the end of next year. So we know that Russell is writing already for the next series and everything like that. So maybe pre-production is in full swing at Bad Wolf and all that stuff. So maybe they've just ring-fenced a lot of the money to plough into the new era of Who to make sure that that's off to the best start it can get. Yeah. And then once that's rocking and rolling, they'll probably... I can't say this is a forever thing because, you know, a bit like Star Wars and other popular franchises, you never say something's done or it's, you know, never going to happen again. So Yeah, never say never. Yeah. Good to be positive about it, I reckon. Yeah. We will see them again. <laughs> Let's play some sad music over the top of this. And... <laughs> some violin music, yeah. Oh, do you remember the old days of animated Who? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the Davison stuff, sorry, back to that. Um, uh, it's a very good story from from Big Finish that I've listened to so far. And you you concur, especially the first first story. It's a good, um, it's a good uh, sort of time displacement kind of thing going on with the Doctor. Mm. And uh, it, the underpinning kind of story to it is that he knows Adric's, he knows what's going to happen to Adric, essentially. Yeah. But does he intervene or does he just allow it to happen? Because it will always happen anyway and that's just you know, time streams and fate and stuff. And yeah, so it's, it's a very good story to go and check it out. It is. And I think they do. So this is like part one. So it's weird, isn't it? It's called 40 and then in brackets one, it's like <laughs> yeah. 41. And then we've got 40 box set two coming out. Oh, I think it's like September. It's months away, but so it'd be like a little, um, nice little box set by the sounds of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah I definitely get a second one after hearing this one. Yeah. It's a cool little, um, behind the scenes pick of Davison and his, um, in his home recording booth as well with the blankets up and he's looking very well, looking very well for, for his age. I'm not saying he's mega old like Tom, but you know, he's <laughs> knocking on a little bit now. So he looks very good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and we've got a review of this landing on our website, probably the day you're listening to this podcast on Friday or, or whatever by Jordan. So yeah. Oh, sweet. Yes. Cool. Oh, did you see Jordan won the, me and, me and Jordan both entered a, a Twitter competition to win one of those blimmin' First Doctor Tardis sets, you know the one I've been trying to get my hands oh, on, yeah, yeah. and Jordan won it. I was like shaking my fist at the screen, <laughs> like through gritted teeth, like congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the no, gritted congratulations, <laughs> Jordan. Yeah, I am pleased it went to him. Uh, well, I would have preferred it to have gone to me, but I, I'm happy, happy enough that it went to him rather than yeah, yeah, somebody sure, else. Sure. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, well done. Well done, Jordan. <laughs> you little bugger. Yeah. <laughs> Right, before we crack on with our review, dude, just want to let our good Doctor Who listener know, of course, that uh, if you don't follow our podcast yet, make sure you do that in your fave podcast app. Just give us a follow. That you won't, that way you won't miss a show because they land every single Friday. And uh, if you don't want to listen in your app, if you're a at work in the browser kind of person, that's totally cool. Just head over to our website, which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all for free. Uh, all of them for free in the browser as well. Plus, you can read all of the articles and reviews from the writing team. Uh, they review a lot of Big Finish, and they do um, Maria's review this week. Uh, she had a real big deep dive into Eva the Daleks after she'd mm. watched it a couple of times and let the dust settle and stuff. And so, yeah, those guys are really, really cool, so check those out. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Give us a like and a follow there as we chat Doctor Who throughout the week. And we have a free Discord server, so jump in there and chat plenty of Who with other Who fans. Also, as always, remember to check out Adam's channel over on YouTube. It is titled The Geek's Handbag. Yeah, I'm a YouTuber, aren't I? 
<laughs> He's a Hootuber. I'm a Hootuber, yes. Lots of videos on there. I've been working on a couple of new ones, actually, uh, as well recently. So got a little collection update coming up and stuff and and uh, and a location vid that's half finished. Uh, God knows when they'll be out. But yeah, go and check out all the other stuff <laughs> on my channel. Yes, as always, my advice to you is to grab a drink, get comfy, and stick on the Geek's Handbag. Tons and tons of videos there. And Adam's on the socials too. Go and stalk him under the same name, the Geek's Handbag. Indeed, yes. Righty. Bottle. Review time. What we got, dude? Right, yeah. So, as we said earlier, a bit of uh, Fourth Doctor adventure this week. And uh, it's a sad farewell for Sarah Jane in The Hand of Fear. Attention all personnel. Attention all personnel. An emergency exists in the neutron fission reactor in Sector 4. We found a hand in the quarry. It was petrified, totally inert. Dead. Inert, yes. Dead, maybe not. I think your sample has been quietly absorbing radiation from the machine. What the devil do you think you're doing? She nearly caused a major nuclear disaster. I beg you to help me save Castro once more. Take me back through time. It's time we got out of here. Fight fire with fire. I'm going to call in the armed forces. Destroy that thing before it causes any more harm. Destroy that thing immediately. Yeah. Fail. Doodle it in. Yes, so The Hand of Fear was first broadcast back on the 2nd of October 1976. Wow. And I love these ones because I can say before I was born. <laughs> and it ran for four episodes, uh, finished up on the 23rd of October. It was written by Bob Baker and Dave Martin, directed by Lenny Main. Stars Tom Baker and Liz Sladen with about a dozen supporting cast members. And the synopsis is when the TARDIS lands in a quarry, of course, on Earth, the Doctor and Sarah are caught in a mining explosion. Sarah is found clutching what appears to be a fossilised hand buried in 150 million year old strata. Analysis shows the hand to be silicon based and inert. But when Sarah begins to act as if possessed, the Doctor suspects that it may still be alive. Ooh. Ooh. so back to classic <laughs> who dude and i will say off the bat before you, i ask you for your initial reaction that um i really 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 enjoyed watching classic who i'm going to say that again i know i said it mm. in the waffle but i really enjoyed watching classic who with tom baker yes it really did i don't want that to sway the overall score <laughs> no, or anything no, like that but no, um the score is written down and there it's there in black and white so yeah cool okay be swayed so your overall impressions then, dude? What do you reckon? Mm, I I concur. I really enjoyed ro- watching this. I um, it's not one that I go to that often actually. Hand of Fear, and I'm I'm trying to work out why because it was a really enjoyable watch. Um, and I was going to watch two episodes on Monday and two on Tuesday. I was going to sort of break it up, you know, which I often do with Classic Who, rather than just binge it because I sometimes feel that lets the story breathe a bit, and I'm not sort of trying to get through it i think you know i just i try and break it up a little bit but after watching the first two episodes i really wanted to carry on i was like actually i think i'll watch the next one maybe i'll just leave part four for tomorrow and but but then before i knew it i'd watched all four parts and uh because i was just thoroughly enjoying it um i think the reason perhaps that i don't reach for this one as much as some stories is i think it it really has a great atmosphere and it really rattles along nicely until part four and i think it's part four where for lots of reasons it just doesn't 
come together. For me, that's how it misses out from being an absolute classic. Because I think part four, it goes all studio bound and and they get, you know, uh, female Eldred turns into shouty male Eldred. And for me, it's like, oh, some of the things that I really liked in the first three episodes, we go back to being very sort of standard Doctor Who monster in a studio with some polystyrene rock shouting. I think, oh, such a shame because the first three episodes are are absolutely brilliant, I think. I mean, even the stuff in the quarry, I know we get bored of quarries in Doctor Who, but that's a hell of an explosion at the start and <laughs> a, a brilliant way to kick off the episode. And and the suspense and atmosphere for the first three episodes is brilliant with this creepy hand and possessed Sarah and Tom's playing it really serious. Um, the supporting cast are, are good, working well together. So, and the, and the location work is brilliant in the first three episodes as well. This uh, nuclear reactor they're in. I mean, it again. We've we've seen a lot of those used in Doctor Who, but because it's not pretending to be a space station or another planet, it's a bit like the quarry. The quarry is not pretending to be something it isn't. It is a quarry, and it is a nuclear reactor. So they are, you know, they it just work so much better. And Ed, uh, sorry, Lenny Main. Uh, I think does a brilliant job directing this. There are some fantastic shots. Uh, the bit where the guy, <laughs> it's quite funny the way he's just chasing after the doctor, the guy that's running after the doctor with the big spanner and he falls over the edge <laughs> of the stairs. I mean, it's brilliantly mm. shot. You know, there's like a quick shot of Tom's reaction to him falling over the edge of the stairs. It's, it's just very, very nicely directed. So, um, yeah, so I really enjoyed this one. Very much enjoyed it. I think it's a good story. I love the idea of this hands you know uh coming back to life and the possession thing and i think just tom and liz just really so good together and even though part four slightly lets it down for me obviously it bumps up again a couple of points because of the ending with sarah leaving at the end so even though i find the studio stuff a bit anticlimactic uh, is that a word? You know what I mean. Uh, I yeah. do. It's all forgiven once we get to the goodbye Sarah Jane scene anyway. So overall, I think it's a really good story, this one. Yeah, liked it a lot. Oh, nice one, dude. Yeah, I think this is a... Um, it's uh, exactly the same as you, dude. I, I don't really reach for this one too often. No. So if I've made my mind up that I want to watch a fourth Doctor story, I won't typically reach for this one. Not because it's a bad story, but... Um, I, th- I think you mentioned it this way, where it feels very classic Who, obviously, and it's got that really cool, uh, um, almost epic kind of feel to it because of mm. the way it's directed. Now, you've obviously had a little bit of money to throw into like explosions and stuff like that. So it's got that very cool, uh, classic, epic kind of feel to it. But there's just something that's... I think maybe it might have been the um, a little bit of lacklustre episode uh in terms of how it feels for me, episodes two and four, mm. they just feel a little bit like, um, like filler, um, for the sake of it. There's like a lot of it. It does happen a lot with classic who doesn't it? Where you often find that there's a whole 15, 20 minutes have gone by pretty much half the episode. And you think, well, nothing's really been accomplished in that 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. The story hasn't moved on. Nothing's really happened. It's just been a lot of walking around and conversations and stuff. So that's not really terrible in its own thing, but it just means that when you consider the story over four parts, it's just like, yeah, it's gr- it's, a, it's a good story and it is enjoyable, but it just has those bits where you could probably just do without 
that bit. So in episode two, for example, there's quite a lot of to in and throw in within the the nuclear complex yeah, research centre, the room and yeah. stuff. Yeah, and um, yeah, nothing really, nothing really substantial happens. To be honest with you, it's more just confirming what we already know in terms mm. of Aldrid and you know the absorbing the nuclear energy and you know a bit of a little bit of nuclear sciencey speak and stuff like that so there are little things like that that make it a bit of a and i think that's why i don't reach for it often when i want to watch a tom story because yeah if i'd like my own magic edit button <laughs> i'd probably condense this down into a two-parter or even a three-parter possibly and you know get rid of some of the fluff but of course i would never do that Would be, no, of that course, would be bad, but Sacrilege. yeah, but I do. I agree with you, dude. It's a, it is a good. It's definitely a good watch, and um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's got all of the. You know, sometimes when we talk about classic who, we say that it has all the ingredients that make up a really good one. I think they're mostly there. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I always, whenever I watch this, I always get the same feeling of, um, of uh, oh yeah, I, I sort of get halfway through and think, oh yes, I really, I've forgotten, I really like this story. And then I get to the end of it and I, th- and I always feel the same thing of it. It feels like it was so close to being an absolute stellar classic and it mm. just doesn't quite, it's about 85, 90% there. It's like, it's got all the ingredients. It's got the performances are great. Um, it just doesn't quite make it um, somehow. Um but I think it could have done. I don't know. Maybe it just needed a, a little bit of a rewrite or something because it just feels so close to being a, a stellar classic to me, especially the atmosphere in it, which is so classic Doctor Who. It's got mm. that real creepy vibe to it. And um, Liz Sladen plays the possession part really well. I mean, it's something she's done a few times. I think there's a few stories where Sarah gets possessed or whatever. But I don't know. She she underplays it really nicely. You know, all the sort of Eldred must live stuff and very sort of creepy hammer horror sort of vibe to it, uh, which I love in those early episodes, you know, the first couple of episodes. Um, but I think the biggest crime is that you've got, um, who plays Eldred? The, what's her name? Uh, the first Eldred. Judith Paris. Judith Paris, I think gives a really lovely, again, slightly understated, very sort of alien performance as Eldred and I, for me it's, I think it's a real shame when she gets replaced by Stephen Thorne who just does the typical shouty Doctor Who angry monster and I'm thinking oh no that I think that for me takes me out of the mm-hmm. story um, because yeah Judith Paris plays it really nicely she's sort of um, you're almost sympathetic to what she's trying to do She's she's sort of a a villain, but she's got you know reasons for why she's a villain, and she just gives a really nice performance, I think, as Eldred. I, I you know she's doing the movements quite nicely. That she's you know she's alien, and uh, she's under that quite ridiculous suit, but somehow it works. I think she looks good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's yeah, I can just imagine those little crystal things are falling off her face all the time, but. Yeah, it, her performance as Eldred really works for me. I, I like the way she looks. I like the way she performs it. And so when she gets replaced by Stephen Thorne, and he's just, um, the costume's just like a big blob with a <laughs> crystal on his head, and he's just shouting and bellowing, and just, to me, it just goes into sort of a, I mean, that could be any monster from any Third Doctor story ever produced. It's just so, yeah, 
I don't know. I just I just think that that lets it down for me as well because I just love the way that Judith Paris was playing the part. It was something a bit different, and she seems to work well with Tom and Liz. You know the way they're bouncing off each other as well. The Doctor's very forthright with Eldred, and you know the performances between those three is lovely. I think, but it just goes out the window once uh, it turns into shouty male Eld- Eldred for me. I think that's what lets it down mostly for me, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that, dude. I think um, there were some interesting in, uh, sort of character thing, uh, character directions that they wrote into Eldred as the first form that we see her. Mm. You know, um, because she it was it was re- it was really nice to to have a, a, a monster or an alien in who that just immediately wasn't out for sort of evil. Yeah, exactly. Again, yeah. you know, it was a really cool. You could tell that she was very, um, you know, very out of her comfort zone, and uh, and because she'd been betrayed in the past, and you know, she'd been through the ringer a little bit. The the walls are up immediately, and there's that mm. nice scene where uh, the doctor's like, "Look, you don't have to. You know, you can be a bit more trusting. You don't have to, you know, be weary of people all the time." And then you can see her face drop a little bit, and she's like, yeah, "You know, I've had my ass kicked in the past," sort of thing. And then you finally get to that bit where she opens up to the doctor a little bit and accepts his help. And even, even though she tries to, you know, do him up a little bit because he's like, yeah, I'll take you to Castria. It's all good. And mm. they get in the TARDIS and she's like, right now I'm in the TARDIS. He's like, right, what are your weapon capabilities and stuff like that? And then he has to beat her down again. He's like, look, I told you, you know, I'll take you back there, you know, just chill <laughs> you know it's it's all good and then she finally relents you know and she accepts the doctor's help when they get to castria and then that's it and then like you said they replace her with this big it's kind of expected for the time as well in terms of classic television it's like the woman was there to provide a bit of interest but ultimately it's the male form i didn't get why they had to that's replace the, it that's the thing yeah yeah it's a bit of a shame in that respect because i would have preferred it to have it the other way round. oh yeah you know to have like the big masculine um, male form as like the big brutish like you know nobody messes with me sort of thing but mm. then the the regen if you like is to the female version of Eldred, of Eldred and so anyway th- that's just that, that would have been much more interesting actually yeah. it probably would have worked better because you're sort of starting to side with Eldred when the doctor's talking around because you can mm. understand why she doesn't trust people and uh, she's right in a way and then blimming um, just as she's starting to sort of calm down uh, Watson, is it? No, what's his name? Yeah, Watson, isn't it? Mm. Comes firing around with a gun and <laughs> tries to shoot her, and then oh, she goes mad. I love that scene. She's just starting to relax and be like, okay, I'll trust them when Watson tries to blow her head off. And then she goes mad, doesn't she? She like races down the corridor after him, like, I'm going to get you. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, he's kind of asked for it because she hasn't, he doesn't, there's no need for him to go and try and put 10 bullets in her. She hasn't. You know, it, she hasn't really done anything. To, well, I say hasn't done anything to him, but the doctor's got it, it all in hand, so he mm. should have just left be. But no, he has to try and shoot her. So you kind of think, well, you can't blame Eldred for going after him. <laughs> She's just tried to shoot her. So I really like that scene. But then the doctor's really angry with Eldred, isn't he? He's like, you know, what are you doing? Why are you trying to, you know, the humans are good. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you wouldn't think that if someone's just tried to shoot you. So you kind of sympathise and side with Eldred a little bit at that point mm-hmm. which again is a nice bit of writing isn't it it's not she's not just a, a villain she's not just as out and out baddie she's there is you know a bit more to her than that she's quite an interesting character 
I think. So yeah, I, yeah. but that could have worked, you know. Now you mentioned it, it would have. If you'd have had the big shouty Eldred, <laughs> that big blob running around being all angry, mm-hmm. and then it transformed into, you know, um, the Judith Paris Eldred, then that that would have been quite interesting. I think it might have worked better. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, yeah, I thought of it like that. Yeah, yeah. but then it, you know, that's yeah, as I said, that's TV of its time. You know, back then the whole the 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 thought of somebody being powerful was just automatically associated with the male. Mm. you know masculine form which is what he ends up being he's this big brutish kind of big big thing you know with the silly little crystal hat on and yeah so in a way the costume just doesn't get anywhere near as good as as, uh, the first eldred no no so in a way now with the benefit of time you can actually see that they did you know they potentially slipped up a little bit there Mm. um, because the end form of eldred uh, is actually a bit more ridiculous uh, and not as um, not as threatening as the female version because nowhere near because no. she was more although she was a bit of a badass in a couple of bits she was more um, intelligent with it if that makes yeah, sense exactly. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah but she was a very good character though yeah yeah a bit more calculating yeah and it was um and I'm not saying please you know listener if you're taken that as a negative on the writing i'm not saying that at all it was a it was a well-written uh, story for sure um yeah so bob baker and dave martin they did a great job in not only having that typical sort of um saturday afternoon adventure that you would expect from from doctor who but also some of the underpinnings were were very personal i think in terms of you know um the, the way that uh, you mentioned that scene where he just runs in with a gun and just starts shooting. That's mm. very much a representation of what the human race is like. Yeah. There's no, and it's, and it, it sort of loggerheads with what the doctor's trying to explain to Eldrad. He's like, look, humans are not all bad. You know, this just, you know, but then that guy disproves his point within one minute, you know, yeah. without even asking who this person is, where she's from, all the rest of it. It's just gun out straight away. You know, yeah, and violence. missiles launched, isn't it? It's like you know, they yeah, just, you're yeah, just a strike. The answer to anything yeah. is just to destroy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the, the 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 writing side of things is very very good. It's just um, you know, with the benefit of hindsight and decades gone past, uh, you know, you can just, you know, in your in your own personal head, you know, you can apply a bit more of a a modern feel. Not that you would ever change it. I'm not saying they do mm. a George Lucas and. Oh. and change anything not at all it's just no, uh, no, no. yeah hindsight but uh, the actual theory though of um of uh when we do see eldrad it does turn the story more into more of a science fiction thing though because in the first the first uh, certainly the first two episodes it really did feel like like you mentioned earlier it felt more like a hammer horror mm. kind of vibe before that because um you had Sarah Jane, who was possessed, you had the thing from the Adams family knocking around. Yeah. And it felt very, um, yeah, it felt like it was going down more of a horror aspect, more of, more down that road. But then as soon as Eldrad is formed properly and um, that part of the story kicks off with traveling with the doctor back to a home planet and all of those conversations, it was almost like a, fl- a switch flick then. It was almost like, right, we've left a. Uh, suspenseful sort of almost horror side of things and now it feels a lot more science fictiony mm. um with this stuff because you know eldrad is explaining that you know what's happened to what's happened to her planet you know the solar winds have devastated it and she learns that the doctor's a time lord and you know we go back to the tardis and stuff it all feels very 
much more at home. I think the second two episodes, which I really liked. Yeah, 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 I know. I think I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does actually. Yeah. But I think that the thing is, it's um the first three episodes look so good with all the location work and and even the sets, you know, in the reactor are kept quite simple. But it does feel like episode four it feels so low budget compared to the rest of the story. And it's a shame because you want episode four to be the big, you know, we always expect episode three to dip a little bit and then everything ramps up in episode four. But it feels like the opposite in this story. Like the sets are really minimal you know i mean it just feels like they've dug out some rocks you know from the b you know from the studio or whatever and <laughs> warehouse where's those dot two rocks and it's darkly lit so they can't really see much and there's a sort of polystyrene bridge that they have to cross which looks terrible it's just such a shame because the first three episodes look so good and as i said it is brilliantly directed by lenny main it's got a real style to it that it all seems to go out the window for the most part in episode four it's um it's what really lets it down for me, really, this story. Uh, it goes into that sort of just... this That could be any Doctor Who story, really. Just the sets and, and everything that's going on. It feels a bit laboured, the bit where they're trying to get across the bridge. You know, it's like, yeah, it, it definitely runs out of steam towards the end, which is a shame because there's some great stuff leading up to this. There is, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's um, One thing I found funny was that you can tell that they've allocated a bit of money to um like the physical effects and this is what i think links really nicely into the direction of the story did mm. you mention the direction earlier how good it was yeah yeah i think did. lenny mains does a great job with this yeah it really is well shot yeah so you can tell that instead of just having like the quarry explode and you know the doctor on his way to the nuclear you know thing like some nice outdoors location stuff and things like that you can tell that the director's thought like actually let's use some of this especially in the bits that could potentially be a bit mundane which yeah which is kind of infuriating about the um the sort of talky talkiness of some of the scenes because mm. they do feel a bit mundane but things like really simple like when the doctor's in the car uh with what's his face um in the beginning when they're driving over to is it dr carter is it carter Oh yeah, what the yes? Or Professor so what, Watson? No, who's the um? Watson's the one that phones home to tell his wife and kids he might be late. Yeah. So who's the guy that attacks him with the spanner and then falls off the balcony? That's Carter, right? I think that's Carter. Carter yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when they're driving in his very very flashy uh, maestro, whatever car it is, uh, the the uh, Lenny Mains put a camera down in the footwell of the car. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, so you get a low shot. Yeah, so you get a low shot of the doctor who's looking around and then it flips mm. over to uh, to Carter and you see him driving the car. And then there's an, another couple of scenes like that where um, when Sarah Jane's buried under all the rubble and stuff, instead of just having the rubble um, and then just a hand that pops up, you know, Sarah Jane's hand or whatever, you actually see her buried underneath all the stuff and you can see that she's struggling to, mm. you know, and she sees the hand and then she struggles to get through and things like that and then um that scene you mentioned as well the you know the attack with the the dive over the balcony and stuff that's uh that's not that's not easy stuff to film for a for a tv show like this with this budget mm. you know that's that's potentially difficult stuff to to get in there because i imagine what's happened a lot with so many classic doctor who stories it's like the director or the producer or both have been like okay we want to do this shot let's put a camera in the footwell so that we can get the reaction of these guys as they're driving over to the thing and 
you've got someone else on the production team like no we haven't got time for that you know and we certainly haven't got the money so scrap that you know let's crack on so it's good that they've that Lenny Main included some of these things just to spice up the pacing a little bit mm. and just get the story moving a bit. So, which is why I said it's infuriating that in episode two and some of episode four, it's very much, uh, well, why didn't you do some of that when you were sort of just walking around some of the corridors? Yeah, um, I, know what you mean. I mean, it could have been a time thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I get what you're saying, actually. It does feel a bit uh, uh, loggerheads, doesn't it? Because there is some, there's lots of nice angled shots in this. So I think there's a bit where the, the doctor sort of walks almost over the camera. You see the scarf sort of flow over the camera because it's sort of put down really low to capture that shot. And yeah, some lovely, lovely direction in this. Uh, but I know what you mean. Mm. It does feel like other bits feel a bit um, st- sort of stilted, if you like. Because Driscoll, he's the one that's with the nice perm, isn't he? That gets uh, he gets possessed, nicks the ring, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's some good creepy stuff mm-hmm. going on with him as well, um, <laughs> especially when he. Especially when he's uh, takes out that other guy. I don't know who he is. The one that's on the intercom. There's a bit where Driscoll uh, knocks him out and stuff. So there's a, there's a good bit of action and stuff going on between those guys. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, he gets taken out about halfway through the story, doesn't he, Driscoll? I can't actually think what happens to him. Does he? Oh, no, he goes in and turns. He gets he possessed, the, doesn't he? Yeah, he gets possessed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think he, he does die, doesn't he, about halfway through, I think. Yeah, he's a bit schemy though, isn't he? He does, um, mm-hmm. yeah, when they're questioning him, he's like, no, I didn't see a ring, no? Yeah, that's right, no, I, I, no. I haven't seen anything. I'll yeah. nip back in there though and have a look if you want. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it was, uh, the direction stuff was really good, dude, and some of the it performances was. were good. Did you think, um, the, did you think that Watson was going, was going to ultimately die? Because unlike, you know, sort of bucking the trend of, of Doctor Who, he does actually survive until the end, doesn't he, Watson? He he almost has his his demise. Yeah. Eldrad gives him a zap of the old, you know, whatever energy. And I thought, right, it's game up. He's done. Um, but no, he's uh he survives, which is pretty good. I, I as soon as he made that phone call to the, the wife and kids, I thought, oh no, he's a goner. Exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> he lies, isn't he? He's a bit of a fib. He's like, no, everything's yeah. fine. Everything's Even though fine. there's sirens going off in the background. He's like, no, I know. no, everything's fine. <laughs> Just letting you know where I am a bit late. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like sirens going mad. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought uh, he was a, a goner. But uh, it's, yeah, it's nice he, he survived to the end. He's quite quite a nice little character as well, actually. So was uh, the, the other guy that you mentioned earlier that chases after the Doctor. You know, the, the side characters are pretty good in this, uh, you know, considering the sort of what they actually get to do. Um, you feel like the cast are into it, I think is what I'm trying to say. You don't, even yes. though they, yep. you know, they might only get a, a small scene. I feel like all the supporting cast were sort of um, into this. Even the guy in the quarry at the start that looks a bit like uh, Alan Partridge even he <laughs> seems to be really into his little five minutes on screen doesn't he when he's talking to the doctor in the quarry and what are you doing here sort of thing you know <laughs> even he's going for it so yeah I felt like the cast are working really well together <laughs> oh yes you're the doctor I suppose yeah, Lynn yeah. set up a meeting with the doctor <laughs> back of the net back of the net yes um yeah that was <laughs> yeah that i've recognized him i don't know where from though i'm sure he i'm sure that's the early part of his acting career i'm recognized that guy he does look familiar but i think i just couldn't stop thinking of steve coogan but uh yeah. it's not steve coogan obviously but yeah i don't think it is no no i'm pretty sure it's not do you think the um just quickly going back to the direction do you think the top of the tardis prop has been lost 
during the making of this story because it's really weird that the, both shots of the TARDIS landing uh, in the quarry at the start and the scene at the end where the Doctor takes Sarah back, um, it's the top of the TARDIS is it's like it's the camera. It's almost as if the camera's dropped down to, uh, low and the top of the TARDIS is cut off. Um, I just think it's weird mm. that it's in both shots. I'm thinking, did they lose the roof of it for this story or something? Because it it stands out more at the end to me when he drops Sarah back. You get this really low shot of uh, the TARDIS landing and it just crops the top off. Um, mm. But yeah, I just always find that a really odd shot considering how cool the direction is for the main part of this story. Um, it's weird, that shot. It's just a weird angle. But I don't know. I just wonder, maybe they lost the light or something. There must be a reason. Potentially, dude. Yeah, maybe it's um. I didn't even think about it. Maybe I I just assumed that that was just a cinematic. Or it, sorry, it may um, be. It probably is. To be fair, I just think it's really odd because it. You notice it at the start. You think, oh, they, they they do it, but when they do it the second time, I thought that's really strange to keep chopping the top of the TARDIS off in that weird way. But it yeah. probably is a direction thing. You probably just thought that was a cool shot. Mm. Yeah, not a cinematic thing. Sorry, uh, a cinematography thing where yeah, the, it seems to there was a trend throughout each episode where the camera was low for a lot of it. Yeah, and it was more so, you know, with some some stories, the camera it feels like the camera's been taped up into the corner near the ceiling, mm. <laughs> and you see people walking around the room, and it's quite a wide angle shot. I feel like this was the opposite to a degree for the direction in this one. It was fairly, it was. Um, I wouldn't say it was static, but it was uh, it was more kind of actor's eye line level. Yeah. Or it was lower shooting upwards, I found, throughout most of it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I can't honestly think why they would do that, though. Unless there was something wrong with the prop and they just couldn't be bothered to fix it at the time. <laughs> no. Which yeah. is not beyond the realms of, of possibility, because um, the uh, the old prop, bless it, We've seen it a few times, oh. quite a few times, where it literally looks like one more slam of the door and it's just going to topple over, collapse. <laughs> well, it, I think it, it did, didn't it, in, in one of the stories. It did actually fall on top of Liz Slater, <laughs> didn't it? I think it's uh, Caesar Death or Doom, whichever. I was getting confused. Um, uh, yeah, because, uh, you know, I was just watching uh, Sharda on the new Season 17 box set. I think that's the worst the TARDIS looks uh, <laughs> in the, when it's in... Um, in the library or whatever it is oh, it, it is absolutely like you said it just the the roof is wonky <laughs> and you just think god i wouldn't want to go in it. it it just looks like it is about to collapse in that story and um i think that's probably one of the worst it's looked but it still looks fairly solid at this point i mean apart from the fact it doesn't seem to have a roof it mm-hmm. it looks okay um it certainly looked worse but i just wondered i mean but what's the colin baker story revelation of the daleks where they lost the light and they <laughs> it looks like it's got a yogurt pot on yeah. top of them you know they they did have to improvise they, a few times didn't they yeah i love things like that though you know yeah <laughs> because if you were just a casual fan you'd be like oh didn't even notice the the light looked different but yeah as a as a who fan those sorts of things they uh they stand out from a mile off and it's like uh, you laugh about it now, but can you imagine now though? I mean, that would just never, it would never happen with like everybody that's involved in producing a movie or a TV show these days. Like everything is like to the, to the Meticulous. degree yeah. continuity of people are employed. You know, they make sure that, oh, we're going to shoot this scene now, but we have to make sure that he left the door open in the previous scene and 
the light wasn't on and all that stuff. You'd never, ever see that now. Would uh, Actually, you do. Remember Game of Thrones? Somebody left the Starbucks coffee uh, oh, cup on the fireplace. I do remember that. I don't even watch Game of Thrones, but I remember that being quite a big internet thing. Yeah, yeah, Starbucks coffee on the table. Yeah. How I, did that get through? I mean, the thing is, even in, in, in early, <laughs> you know, in Classic.C, you get things like, so I often think when you see a model shot of the TARDIS landing, you know, the model <laughs> looks a lot better than the actual prop. So it very often have like a white door panel and then it cuts to the studio and it's like that the, the, the TARDIS hasn't had a white door panel since William Hartnell, but yet, you know, they, they put it on the model shot, but then the studio version, it's completely different TARDIS prop, you know, mm-hmm. looks nothing like the model. <laughs> <laughs> what so did you think to um, the TARDIS interior then at this point for the doctor? The wooden one, mm. the secondary one. I, I quite like it. It's different. I mean, I don't think I would have wanted it for more than a season. Um, I, I, I really like the change up. I think it's an interesting console room. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's because it's a bit brown and it's, I would have got bored of it if it had been around too long, but I think it's perfect just for the, you know, the season that it's in or, or however long it's on there for. But yeah, I quite like the wooden console, something a bit odd about it, which I like. Yeah, I, especially the door with the sort of stained glass window in it. I really like that. Yeah, there is something quite cool about it. Mm. The only thing is it just doesn't look very appealing the way it's been lit and the, It is probably the lighting, yeah. yeah it, it just looks mm. a bit gloomy, you know. It's, yeah. It looks more like um I don't know, it looks more like the broom cupboard or the coat room that you yeah. wouldn't really <laughs> spend too much time in, but yeah, has ended up being the the console room for some reason, but mm. it's all right. It's all right. It's um, yeah. Obviously, we prefer the you know the proper topics, the classic. Yeah. yeah, but it's not too bad. Yeah, I just it's it makes bad. for a nice change, doesn't it? And I, I love it when the you know Tom the last scene where Tom's doing stuff underneath the console when it just looks a bit different. But yeah, I wouldn't want it to hang around any longer than it did. I don't think. No, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about Sarah Jane for a little bit. Because mm. she had a, and we'll get on to Tom afterwards, but she had a very good, well, I think personally she had a very good last story. It's um, it's just a shame that the ending for her, the goodbye, was just, a, it felt a little bit like at odds with how she her character was throughout the story for me. So in terms of a performance, Liz Sladen was obviously great as always. I had no complaints there. But um, there were several scenes where she was really up for it. Like she wanted to get involved. She wanted to, there's a bit where the doctor tells everybody to wait by the gate at the Nunton uh, Centre. And, um, you know, she refuses. She runs after him. And, uh, you know, because she wants to be involved. And she, you know, even when she was, um, I think it was episode three where she, like, she teases the doctor a little bit. She's like, Eld Rad must live. I love that scene. You know, and she, Beautiful she, scene, she, yeah. she's laughing and mucking around and she seems happy to be in the action, so to speak, and all that. But then some weird reason they wrote it in, instead of being a progressive thing where throughout the story, she's just getting a little slowly more and more miffed with being possessed, shot at, trapped, you know, all that stuff. It's almost like right at the end, it's like, right, we need to sort out her goodbye now. So right at the end, she's like, oh, I'm fed up with all this. I just want to go home. It just felt at odds with how she was throughout the rest of the episode. But her performance was still really good, though. Yeah, it's funny. I'd never really thought of it like that. But I think you might be right, actually. 
I think the reason I haven't thought of it is because I do really love that end scene. Uh, I just like the dialogue and the sort of way that she's getting all huffy and pretending she wants to go, but she doesn't really. Because she's, I, I see it as she's just trying to get the doctor's attention. I don't think she was actually going to leave. But I, I do get what you mean, actually. I just hadn't really sort of looked at it in that context. Because yeah, there isn't much of a build-up to it. You're right. Um, and I, I think that's odd because they knew quite far in advance, didn't they, that, that uh, Liz was leaving. And they talked about, I think... Um, Philip Hinchcliffe had sort of spoke to her about how did she want to leave, and she was quite specific. She didn't want to be killed off. She certainly didn't want to be married off. She's um, so I think there was, you know, they worked with Liz to to find a way for her to for Sarah Jane to leave, um, and that's the way they went with it. And I think Tom and Liz reworked the script between them. I think uh, some of the dialogue. So you know, there was obviously a lot of thought and effort gone into her leaving scene. But you're right, it is a little bit out of the blue um, in in terms of this story. Like, why, why, this isn't exactly the biggest sort of, you know, like with Tegan, there was lots of death and destruction oh, around right. her, and you can totally get why she decided at the end of that story she'd had enough. I get what you mean. With this one, there isn't really much of that. There's nothing that's really pushed Sarah Jane to the edge to make her want to leave. But, yeah, the way I see it, mate, is that she... She wasn't really. She was just having a bit of a... She just wanted the doctor's attention <laughs> and was having a bit of a five-minute hissy fit. Because I think she even says, oh, I'm only joking or something. I don't I don't really want to go or something, doesn't she? Towards, yeah, she does, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I, I feel that's the way I'm looking at it. She she was just having a, a five-minute hissy fit because the doctor was, you know, not paying any attention. But I do love the... I just love the performance between the two, you know. It just, I think the dialogue is nice, but I just love the way that they play it. The doctor's mm. like, you've got to go. It, it really, it really hits home. I think that scene, and the fact that he drops her off at the wrong location as well is just so typically uh, Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. So typically the fourth Doctor as well. It's a really nice little touch as well. Um, and she's got so many, so little contents to take with her. She's got like one owl teddy, a tennis racket, I think, and. <laughs> It's like, is that all she's got, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, but yes, it's a, I, I don't know. I can forgive it anything really because I just love that end scene. I think it's a lovely goodbye uh, for Sarah Jane or at least au revoir because obviously we know that uh, she's going to come back all those years later. Thank goodness she did as well. Mm-hmm. I think um, out of all the companions, she's the one that, you know, really deserved to come back uh, all those years later. Uh, I mean, there's companions that I love that, would have you know like joe grant as well it's great to see her back in sarah jane but mm-hmm. yeah it's a it's a nice scene though isn't it it's a, it's a really lovely scene i think mm-hmm. yeah no i read you dude yeah and i think um yeah you make a good point that um uh elizabeth sladen did say that uh she didn't want to be killed off or married off or anything like that yeah uh, but she also said that um she didn't want her exit to be to overshadow anything that was going on in the story she didn't want that to be the That's focus right. yeah so that's fair enough, I guess, yeah, to a degree. They they um, work brilliantly together. I, I think it's a good send-off for her as well, because I think a lot of people feel this story um, perhaps isn't like the best Sarah Jane story, but I, I think it's a good one for her to go out on because, you know, she plays such a big part in it, uh, especially at the beginning with all the possession stuff. And um, and I think she's, she's in it a fair bit, so she has quite a lot to do in it. So yeah. I feel it's a good story for her to leave in. Yeah, and you can tell that as characters with sarah jane and the doctor they were very good friends at this point they were oh they're just, brilliant together yeah, 
just the chemistry is great with these two, isn't it? It's um, and you can t- yeah, you can just tell that there's a lot of um, a lot of fun recording uh, with with Tom and and Liz and uh, a lot of kind of mutual respect for each other. There was no way there was ever going to be any of this weirdness, you know, that Tom had with Lala Ward and and all that jazz and all <laughs> yeah. that stuff. You can just tell <laughs> yeah. that with um with Tom and Liz Sladen, it was almost like the opposite there was you just never heard of just big arguments or drama or anything it was um it was really cool and what refreshing story to watch where the companion's not le- leeching after the doctor and there's no romance and there's no mm. weirdness that we seem to have these days so yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. They, they are brilliant together you mentioned that scene where um she just for one second like the doctor's hypnotized her to to, to bring her back to being normal sarah jane and just as they walk through the door, she goes, Eldred must live. And the Tom, you know, the doctor looks horrified. Like, what? She's like, oh, I'm only joking. Yeah. It's just such a lovely scene. And I I think that was just a little ab lib um, by, by Liz Sladen. I think it said in the production notes. But, yeah, you can tell that her and Tom, uh, amazing chemistry as the doctor and Sarah. They they clearly got on off screen. I mean, I recently read Liz Sladen's biography, which was fantastic. And, you know, it is clear there was a lot of love between those two guys. Hence why I think Tom found working with anyone after Liz quite hard for a while, didn't he? I mean, we know mm. that poor old Louise Jameson, who was the next companion, uh, had a rough ride with Tom. I don't think he dealt that well with, with Liz leaving because they they clearly have a brilliant working relationship. And I think for him to try and find that with the next person was always going to be difficult. Mm. Um, so I'm glad that I'm always glad that they're, I was grateful to Big Finish and stuff that that uh, Louise Jameson and Tom are such good friends now because I love the character of Leela and I always think it, I always in the back of my mind when I'm watching any Leela story I'm thinking oh god behind the scenes it was a nightmare you know Tom was really difficult and whereas in this you just get the feeling the cast are just flowing and clicking so well you know so it's a it's weird to think that from after this story onwards that Tom's going to get a little bit more more and more irascible, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Is that the right yeah. word? Irascible? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, but I think, yeah, it's probably Liz Sladen leaving was perhaps the catalyst maybe for that. You know, things mm. uh, just, well, just one of the things that sort of changed uh, Tom as he went forward from the story onwards, I think. Yes, yeah. No, I agree, dude. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about Tom then. So, Tom, yeah. Um, where are we in terms of Tom's tenure as the doctor with this series this is season 14 14 is it? isn't it yeah um so i think i mean i'm still i wouldn't say i'm on the fence with this series um it does have some some great episodes so what's after this one yeah we're straight into the deadly assassin aren't we after this yeah one. yeah it's deadly assassin um i wouldn't say i'm on the fence because it's it's an well, it's an okay series for me. I think it gets better as a series goes on. Um, yeah, so can't really say too much about them. Have we done the Mask of Mandragora? Yeah, we did that one. Yeah, we did. Yeah, so um, I would say that it starts fairly okay-ish, but then you know it does get, yeah, it does get pretty decent. Um, so yeah, so Tom at this point, um, still very much. Uh, uh, kind of, um, kind of in the earliest days, I would say, right? So, well, yeah, because we, well, he's, this is what his uh, second season, is it? Second series, isn't third? it? Third. Hang on, no, season twelve. Third, oh, third, 14. yeah, third. So, series twelve was his first one. 
So we're three series in now. And mm. although Tom found his feet relatively early yeah, and just cracked on and was very much the Doctor from, from, from robots, really, um, I feel like at this point we haven't got to that point yet with Tom where we start to see all the mood swings and the... The broodiness. And the brood, yeah, all that stuff. So mm. for me, I love this era of Tom because although I think there's an appeal to um, the sort of, uh, what's the phrase, the unintentional dark side of him mm. um, because of those off-screen, you know, uh, spats issues. and issues and stuff. In, in this part of his, his era, it's just pure um, fun for him, I think, playing the Doctor. Like, you know, there was no you don't hear of as many arguments with the director and the writers and certainly not with Liz Sladen. So yeah, he's got that very jubbly, happy, beaming smile more mm. of the time. And it's, uh, it's evident in this, in this story as well. It's uh, you can just tell that he's, he, he, he's got lots to do. There's a couple of action scenes. Um, there's some confrontations is a bit shouty for a bit of it. And, uh, but mainly you can just tell he's having fun. And I think that comes through absolutely in his performance so yeah i'm a big fan of tom in this particular part of his era of who he hasn't got to that down in the dumps bit <laughs> yet. no but, yeah. it's it's funny i think it's probably peaked tom actually and it it's not really until i go back and watch stories from different eras of of the tom baker era that i notice how much he changes actually he really does change a lot um, when you go back and and look at it, and I think for me this is where I really love Tom. He's he's got he's got that nice jokey side to him, but he's playing it quite straight as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the first sort of three seasons of Tom, I think, are absolutely superb. I mean, season thirteen is is a belter with uh, Zygons, Pyramids of Mars, <laughs> Android Invasion, Brain of Morbius, Seeds yeah. of Doom. I mean, it's it's an absolutely stellar season. That um, I can't wait for that to come out on on Blu-ray. Uh, but this se- season, and I've never really thought about it before but you know this this might be when tom starts to change a little bit halfway through because if you look at the other series serials in this story season you've got the deadly assassin which is great um face of evil obviously bringing in the character of leela robots of death is great tom's still quite funny now talents of wing chiang and i've always said this and, and especially when we reviewed it this is to me where tom I always find him quite broody in that story. So although I think Talons is a great story, but Tom's performance definitely is starting to go down that road of being a bit, you know, he's a bit going a bit inward. He's not working with the companion as well. He's more, he prefers to talk to himself rather than actually look or talk to the companion. And I, so I've never thought about it much before, but I think during halfway through the season when Liz leaves, I think Tom starts to go in on himself a little bit. So I'm looking at the other stories coming up, Fang Rock, Fendel, Sunmakers. I think we're starting to get a more broody Tom after this. And then you get to the invasion of time. Mm. And I think he's starting to get a little bit more difficult. And then the following season, what we've got is the key to time. See, key to time, suddenly the Doctor goes from this quite broody inward to it's more comical. Uh, Graham Williams wants you know more lightheartedness in the stories, and I think Tom's Doctor changes quite a bit again during that season, doesn't he? he sort of reverts back to being almost much more comical than before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but it's yeah, it's fascinating to see how much Tom's Doctor does change over all the years that he was the Doctor, um, and it's weird because I I like him throughout. I wouldn't say there's any bad version of the fourth doctor there's no season where i think god tom really wasn't 
firing all, on all cylinders then because he always seems to be firing on all cylinders but in a different way I think which I suppose if you're going to be the doctor for as long as he was I guess you've got to keep it fresh in your performance somehow so I suppose it's only natural that he changes but but yeah I think this I don't know up to this point I think he's been oh just stellar and I think we have a few turbulent issues after this yeah, you know, not to I say think, he's in any way not good because he's always a hundred percent the Doctor. Even in really bad stories like Underworld, he still somehow commands the screen. But yeah, definitely, I think things change a little after this story. Yeah, I think that's what we mentioned around um, with Liz going and then he's companionless, and then the next companion, he's a bit standoffish. Yeah, and uh, on and you know, in front of and behind the camera. He's a little bit standoffish with that stuff. Seems like back in his early days, Tom struggled a little bit to cope with change, you know? Mm. It, it felt like he uh, he really... Well, we know this for a fact, that he really, really wanted to control his character so much to the point where rucks, you know, happened on set where he'd be like, my doctor wouldn't say that and, mm. and all that stuff. And uh, I think sometimes maybe... I don't think he's like... the you know, in his older years, but certainly back in the day, he was very much uh, right. You know, that era of Doctor Who has now come to an end now that uh, Sarah Jane has left. And it felt it, I don't know, it just feels like from an observer's point of view that he's very much struggled with then moving forward into the next chapter with a new companion with Leela and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, maybe, maybe Tom Baker was just that kind of guy in his early years that just struggled a wee bit to to cope with change and to cope with things happening that he potentially didn't have control of yeah Yeah. i mean i suppose it's like anything if any any work environment changes you have to adapt to it and you might not always get on with the new person Mm. Uh, because i think is this the last season did philip hinchcliffe produce season uh 15 or not because i I mean i think philip and tom got on well and i think philip knew how to handle tom in any sort of situation awkward situation that he might need to step in and have a word. I think, you know, Tom respected Philip. I, I have a feeling, did he not? Because that, that's what I mean, another change. You know, you're losing Liz, you're losing Philip. Suddenly you've got new people telling you what to do, new directors and stuff, and it's going to have an effect one way or the other. And when you've been the doctor for a few years, you're naturally going to think, well, I don't tell me how to play this part. I know how to play the doctor. I've been doing mm. it for three years now. So you can see why all these little things of starting to come into play and affected you know how the the doc, you know how tom's playing the doctor yeah for sure so yeah, i don't know i think yeah. this might have been philip's last uh, season's producer but i could be wrong um just having a quick look on wiki I'm trying to think when Graham because i think graham williams came in during horror fang rock didn't he um i think that was terence dix officially credited for i think for fang rock uh i think williams um I think Graham okay. Williams. Oh, that, that that wasn't until later on. I don't think that's like invasion of time, maybe. Um, as producer, though, no, I think Graham Williams came in in Fan Rock as producer. Oh, producer, sorry, and, right, and took over right. from Philip Hinchcliffe. I think uh, you know, I don't think him and Tom particularly clicked. So that was probably another. Oh, you're right. Yeah, uh, sorry, factor. Yeah. But yeah. but yeah, it's, I just find it fascinating. I mean, Tom is such an engaging doctor, and he, he's certainly great in this story. You know, um, but it's there's just something with Tom that you can't take your eyes off him. 
when he's on the screen. He just there's something about Tom that's quite magical. I think no matter how he's playing the Doctor, whether he's playing it serious, even in season eighteen when he's really broody. I even I love Tom in season eighteen. It doesn't matter which version of the Fourth Doctor I'm watching. I just think he's just you just can't take your eyes off him. <laughs> it's just a bit, it's just magical, isn't he, Tom? Defo man, yeah, agree. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what, that's what I mean by this this kind of this um, uh, the way that Tom plays the Doctor in these first few seasons series up to this point. And then I think you're right. I think as we progress through this series, especially as we get into Talons and beyond that, we start to see the more um, sort of more serious side of him, uh, a bit more broody and stuff. So, but yeah, in this one, what, dude, brilliantly. Yeah. Well, I think actually, what changes, isn't it, is that he. So up to this point, he's bouncing quite nicely off the companions like Sarah Jane or Harry. I think what changes actually is that although Tom's performance is still brilliant, he doesn't bounce off some of the other companions or cast as well as well after this sort of um, season, does he? He starts to, that's what I mean. He starts to go in on himself a bit. Whereas in the earlier seasons, he's with Harry and Sarah, you feel like they're a unit and they're really sparking off each other. Um, you get moments of that with Tom, but he, yeah, after this, he starts to be sort of a bit more uh, of, of inward. He doesn't sort of um, seem to react. I mean, there are some stories where he won't even look at Lala Ward. He won't even talk or engage with her. Do you know what I mean? So we definitely see <laughs> things change. Yeah, I agree, dude. Mm. But certainly in this story, though. He was great at this. Firing all cylinders. Yeah. 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 Uh, music. Old Dudley Simpson. Old Dudders. I love it. I, I, I mean, it's, it's got, it's a bit dated in its own way. It sounds a bit 70s, but again, it gives me that ha- Hammer Horror vibe. I mm. really, really like the music in this. Yeah, same, dude. It's typical yeah. Dudley Simpson, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't give him a free pass. It's not, you don't think, God, Doug, Dudley's really pulling it out of the hat in this story. There's nothing amazing or different about his music in this but it just is very much of that era and i really like his music so mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah okay and then the ending do you think the ending i'm not talking about the very last bit with sarah jane going and that mm. stuff i mean the the stuff that happened on castria um do you think that was a satisfying wrap up and end to the story no is it to, to be honest it's what lets the story down for me i do find mm. myself yeah i think the ending on, on Castro is is a letdown after such a good start, uh, such a good build up in this story, and all that sort of um, tension and atmosphere kind of goes out the window in in part four. Um, it's only really saved because of the the goodbye with Sarah Jane. I think that that lifts part four up. But yeah, it's a bit of a unsatisfying conclusion to the story, really, which is a shame because up till now, up till then, it's been a belter. <laughs> it's been about yeah up to that yeah. point yeah and that's what i'm uh, we mentioned this right at the beginning with how eldrad changes from the female f- form to the more masculine stuff um mm-hmm. the few times that i've seen this it always makes me think the same thing it's just they just try to real to real hammer home that bit at the end about the big brutish mm-hmm. um way of doing things and it, it just uh it just feels a little bit rushed at the end and a little bit like yeah, a bit unsatisfying, I would say. But Yeah, it does, yeah. Just a wee bit. You know, it's not terrible. We've seen quicker wrap-ups, but yeah, just felt a little bit like, uh, that could have been, you know, that could have been, that, that stuff that happens there could have taken up more time throughout episode four a little bit. And uh, 
yeah, maybe some stuff into the end of episode three, like nudge some of that stuff out of it and just have more stuff on Castria, just mm. to explore a bit more about what was going on there with, um, uh, you know, with King Rokon and Oh, God, and all I forgot that about stuff, him. Yeah, another shouty one, yeah. Another one, yeah. Mm. So, I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah, at the end, it just gets a bit shouty, a little bit like... And then, you know, that's it. It's done, so... Mm. Yeah. All right, dude. Uh, anything else on your notes? No, no, I don't think so. No, no you're good. Okay. Uh, I think it's me to go first. It is, yeah. This week. I'm going to give this a 7.5. 7.5. Okay, I'm slightly higher. I'm going to go with an 8. An 8, um, okay. Mainly because even with, you know, bits that I felt let it down, I still, as I said, I just really enjoyed watching it. I didn't intend to watch the whole four parts in one go, but... um. And I had plenty of time this week to watch them. I could have spread them out if I was finding it a little bit. But I just, yeah, I was quite happy to to go straight on to the next episode. So I was I was thoroughly into it. So I'll go with an eight. An eight it is. Right, yeah. okay, cool. So 7.5 from me, an eight from him. What did our listeners think? Let's jump over to the Twitter. And TARDISnet, Will Sanger said, I think it's underrated. If I'm honest, Liz Sladen gets the chance to stretch her wings when hypnotised. Eldrad is a formidable but sympathetic and uh, and the last scenes are full of great emotion. I feel it does kind of lose its way in the last episode, though. An eight. Oh, an eight, same as me, yeah. Doctor Who Home says it starts off so good. The bits on Earth are fantastic. The location is superb. Characters are memorable and the acting is fantastic. And then it just gets so tacky. Part four on Eldrad's world just doesn't do it for me. Mm. Sarah's goodbye is lovely, uh, but a bit tacked on, sadly. But a seven out of ten. Yeah. Okay. Our writer Jordan says it does start off well, but gradually goes downhill. Sarah, uh, Sarah deserved a better ending than what she got, and the whole final episode is a bit dull. Eldrad, in her female form, made a much more interesting villain than the shouty man version, and yes. the whole thing ends up being a bit dull. Yes. Yeah, definitely on the same page, Jordan. Yes. Long scarf publications. Oh, what a great name. Yes, very cool. says, people are correct when they say episode four is disappointing. However, the performances are fantastic, as is the leaving scene. Almost impossible to score as a whole, as uh, how much a dodgy 15 minutes impact uh, it has on the whole story. So a seven or an eight out of ten. Alternate 13th says, one of my fave Tom Baker stories. I don't know why, but it has Mm -hmm. a charm to it that I adore. And obviously the goodbye is iconic. Eight out of ten. Cool. Spiral Scratch. Uh, some interesting names this week. <laughs> Spiral Scratch says, I always love The Hand of Fear. However, I feel episode four really lets it down. The Earthbound yeah. episodes are fantastic. The way Eldrad was dispatched was an anti-climax, though. Seven out of ten. Yeah. Uh, the cool chaps over on the Lost on Gallifrey podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah. So listen to that a lot. Yeah, it's a very cool podcast. Check those out. Uh, it says, a story full of visual moments, the crawling hand, the dungarees, Eldrad being shot in the chest. Plot-wise, it's a bit forgettable, though. Uh, it feels like a series three. Uh, sorry, it feels like a serious three-parter and a camp one-parter, mm. resulting in a bizarre final part. But entertaining on top with a bittersweet ending. Eight out of ten. Yeah, I'd forgotten about the dungarees, the Andy Pandy outfit. It's a strange uh, outfit for Sarah Jane. That. Yeah, I think they even say in the thing that she looks like Andy Pandy. Yeah, which I ne- never noticed until I watched it again the other night. Yeah. Mm. Chippy T says, love all the factory stuff, but the security guards were somewhat lacking. (laughs) The doctor just walks in with his thrusting, smiling face. 
<laughs> Great alien in Eldrad with a beautifully rendered costume. Sarah's departure very much understated. Uh, good fun, so 7.5 from me. Cool. Nick H says probably the weakest story in a season full of classics and often only remembered for Sarah Jane leaving, but it's solid who, even if it has a weird view of how nuclear reactors work. 7 out of 10. <laughs> And lastly, Sarah Louise, the running Whovian, says, A great story. The hand is creepy. Tom's doctor in his usual confident self and Liz plays the possessed Sarah Jane sinisterly, sinisterly well. The female mm. Eldrad's performance and attire were very good. The male Eldrad, less so. It's a yeah. shame SJ's departure didn't have the build-up she deserved, but an 8 out of 10. Cool. Cheers, Sarah. And we had a few on Facebook. Joseph Howarth. Sarah Jane's last story, underwhelming really. It's okay for the most part, but the problem is the pacing feels off. It starts off slow and then picks up in the middle, but then slows down again. Mm. Eldrad is interesting. Just wish they did more with Eldrad as a whole. Preferred the female Eldrad, Eldrad more than, uh, and had a cooler design. The male version works, uh, but just a bit silly. The farewell scene with the Doctor and Sarah is brilliant though, and I think all the slow and dullness uh, wasn't really worth it, and I feel she deserved better for her last story. Uh, so he says kind of dull slow story but six out of ten six uh, six okay. yeah richard hardman sarah jane deserved better as far as the last story in the last scene i can only give it five missing hands out of ten i'm afraid mm, five okay. that's cool rich no worries uh, martin arnold thank god for the classics <laughs> this underrated episode has a cracking start a strange and bittersweet ending and is good for the worst for the worst reason in that sarah leaves can't take the lady in your life to Gallifrey, but you can take the TARDIS back to when Doctor Who wasn't terrible. Oh, Martin wasn't fan, was he, of the current <laughs> stuff? No. Uh, um, I can't read your uh, your score, though, Martin, because you've put Eldred hands out of 10. I think we need the number before that. I'm going to guess you're going to give this about an 8 or a 9, though. Mm. Uh, yeah. Charlie Turner says it takes a lot for a grown man to cry. The ending to this story is so beautiful. I love how it led right into the deadly assassin. Even though the story gets uh, is a mix of dull and okay. Not too bad overall, though. Uh, from what I can remember, 6 out of 10. And lastly, Harry Marciniak, one of our writers, says, I just watched this for the first time ever. What? Slow start, cracking middle, and a boring ending. A roller coaster, I guess. Sarah's exit was good in a sad way. Thank goodness this ain't the last of her. 6 yeah. out of 10. Hmm. Hmm. I'm trying Quite to mixed actually. Yeah, I'm trying to think of an average for this one. I'm I'm pretty sure it's like a seven. I would say seven. Uh, yeah, ish, I would a few say. fives to six that bring it down. Yeah, mm, a few mixies in there. Mm. Okay, so yeah, not too bad scores. And thank you very much, everybody, for sending in your reviews and thoughts. Next week, dude, what are we on to? Yeah, so we'll be um, diving into series three of Torchwood next week. So uh, that's of course the Children of Earth series. So we'll be doing Children of Earth Day One. Always a good one to kick off the first mm. one, day one. Day one, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we were thinking of just diving straight into day three and going back. But yeah, day one. And just keep people guessing, yeah. Yeah, so we'll be seeing Capaldi <laughs> next week. Or, well, if he's in the first episode, I can't remember. Mm. I can't remember either. No. It's been a while since I've seen this one. It's been years since I've watched this, yeah. Mm. <laughs> but there we go, short uh, Torchwood next week for... Uh, for our review on that one so uh all good let's stick a pin in it there dude for episode 337 all righty
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming back and listening to another episode of the Big Blue Box podcast. That was episode 337 and the Hand of Fear. Thank you very much for sending in your thoughts over the socials. Love you guys for that. It's always a good sense of uh, what the community feels about these episodes. So next week, as Adam said, we're back to Torchwood. Uh, Children of Earth Day 1 to get that watched. DVDs, Blu-rays, we don't care. I think it's on. It's Torchwood on iPlayer, I don't think, is it? can't remember if it's still on there. Uh, no, I don't be. think it is anymore, is it? can't remember. No. Is it on Britbox? No? No, not on Britbox, no. Whatever your medium of choice is. VHS, perhaps. Get it on, get it watched, because we'll be asking <laughs> for your thoughts next week. In the meantime, remember to follow this podcast in your fave podcast app. Hit that follow or subscribe button, whatever it is in your app, so you won't miss a show when it lands every Friday. And uh, listen for free there, and also listen for free over on the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. Listen to everything over there, plus read all the reviews and articles from the writing team, and we're on the socials too. Um, just give us a like and a follow, because we do chat and post little tidbits and all some fun stuff over there during the week. And hop onto the free Discord server. There's a link on the website, so go and check that out. Uh, also, check out Adam's channel over on YouTube, as we said. It's called The Geek's Handbag. Plenty of videos over there. Go and get stuck in. <laughs> Adam's videos and uh, he's on the socials too under the same name The Geek's Handbag yes indeed that is me that is you so go and check that out rightio until next week for 338 then please take care of yourself stay, stay safe and healthy we'll see you next time my name's Gary my name's Adam and remember and Lundy. Lundy.